You are listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast, hosted by Solomon Earhart and Alan Draper, where they will discuss scaling and growing your pest control company with the goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. Make sure that your company is well organized financially, okay? Make sure that you understand your numbers. We're coming up on tax reporting time. Lenders, particularly SBA lenders, rely on tax returns quite heavily in terms of making sure that all those revenues are acknowledged and they are not overly aggressive on writing off expenses. So I think make sure that you have a good accountant firm and that you are paying attention to your numbers and you know them. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Bug Bucks podcast. I'm Alan Draper and I got my man Solomon Earhart with me. What's going on, Saul? Not much, Alan. How are you doing today, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. Hustling. So we're recording this a day after the Terminex rent-to-kill deal went down, which yeah. was spread through our industry like a firestorm. And so, we'll, dude, I think it would be cool if we did a episode maybe next week. Maybe we drop it after the week we drop this episode where we just kind of take questions, ask each other questions, and talk about that topic. Yeah, I know it's insane. I mean, that's the the biggest acquisition in pest control. I know there's still a lot of like red tape and hoops that they're going to have to jump through, you know, to like really make it happen. But it's super interesting. I mean, how, how it played out. I mean, I saw it at like 630 in the morning on, on the CNBC stock news. And I was like, called Andrew, you know, our ops guy right away. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, did you hear? <laughs> yeah. And And didn't they get a 16 EBITDA? Yeah, it was, I think it was like 19 multiple on the EBITDA or maybe something like that. 18? I don't know. That's what I saw, but I, I honestly have no idea. I didn't really dig too much into it. But, you know, what's crazy is what I've, what I've kind of heard, and I obviously, this is just through the grapevine, is that, you know, they're, they're probably going to be rebranding all of the rent-to-kill platforms as rent-to-kill across the nation is what I kind of heard. So As rent-to-kill or Terminex? As rent-to-kill. So they're going to rebrand the Terminex? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, then and also yeah. just take, you know, because Rent-to-Kill has a lot of brands that they've bought like, you know, throughout the, the nation. Right. So I think they're going to change all of those to Rent-to-Kill as well is what I'd heard. But that's that's just hearsay, she say, you know, so who knows? Huh. Crazy, man. Well, yeah, I, I think we should get some details. Obviously, it's So what that's going to do is probably free up a lot of accounts ready to be, you know, kind of switched man. over for the season. You know, Cherry pick, that's the thing. Doors, if, that, if that does happen in that time frame then it could be uh it could be all yeah. all's fair and love and war out there yeah for sure so let's definitely record a an episode about that where we have a few more details because you know it's super early like i said it was announced yesterday and so we can kind of comb through some of that later but very hot topic yeah well i you know let's get to our guest today so i'm, I'm stoked man this is something that you know this topic is something that i'm right in the middle of right now that's affecting some of my businesses and so we're we're going to talk to somebody that is in the banking industry. Our guest today is Dave Odson. Dave's the vice president and senior loan officer with Live Oak Bank. He's been an SBA loan industry professional for 20 years, and he helps existing pest control companies with SBA financing to facilitate growth acquisitions or partner buyouts on a nationwide scale. So pretty impressive resume. Welcome to the show, Dave. Hey, thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. So, so do you focus on pest control companies? Is that kind of the bulk of your work or? 
Yeah, so right now I'm focused, 100% of my time is spent on trying to help out PCOs. So from Live Oak, just by way of background, Live Oak Bank was formed in 2008 as a pretty unique banking offering in that we focus on particular industries. So we started off in 2008 and were awarded one of the last banking charters before the Great Recession Mm. with a branchless model focused on a digital banking model that lends into specific niche industries. At that time, we started off with one or two verticals, we call them. And then in 2012, we were probably up to 10 specific industries delivering primarily SBA loans. And today, we're up to just around 30 industry verticals that we target and build teams around. I'm happy to report that the most recent industry vertical for Live Oak Bank is the pest control industry. And we've been rolling about formally for the last four months or so. And super excited to be here on Bug Box. Yeah. So, so Dave, I guess tell us like, what was Live Oak's decision to like want to get into the pest control industry? Well, when we looked at the pest control industry, just as a bank, what's highly appealing for us, first and foremost, low default rates, right? We do see a lot of companies in the space with SBA industry data, very low default rates, and we're very attracted to a highly recurring contract-based revenue stream that pest control companies have. So when we look at it from a risk analysis perspective, and as a banker, our primary focus is, can we structure financing that will not only help that PCO, but also they have a strong ability to demonstrate payback of the loan. That is our acid test. We use SBA as a mitigate to our collateral risk. So oftentimes when you just go walk in, say a branch bank door and speak to a banker about SBA, they'll kind of look at you sideways saying, let me see if we have someone that offers that at our bank, whether that's a community bank or some of the big banks. So at Live Oak, all we do, not all we do actually, but Our primary focus is SBA lending, and we've been the largest SBA lender in the country on a nationwide scale for the last four years. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Now, yeah, and do you find that mostly what you're looking for, like, is there a certain ratio that you're looking for lending, you know, on a reoccurring revenue versus one-time revenue in the pest control space, typically? Well, I think everyone's different with a little bit of a diverse revenue stream, whether or not their focus is general pest control or they dabble in the commercial space. So every situation is unique. And we spend a lot of our time getting to truly understand not just the financials, but the people involved. Um, So we take a pretty deep dive in understanding from both a qualitative and a quantitative perspective what's happening in that business, but more importantly, We want to make sure that management has a good pulse on what they're projecting for the future and how they're going to get there and how we can help. So what are you seeing right now? So it's December 2021. What are you seeing in are the opportunities in pest control right now and what opportunities PCOs have to leverage that recurring revenue or leverage any assets that they have to obtain some money to grow in 2022? Yes, great question. I think when when we look at such a highly fragmented industry that is so top-heavy, right? You talk about Rent-A-Kill and Terminex merger, and that consolidates the top. But 
if there are, call it 19,280 other companies out there in the pest control space, we see a lot of consolidation happening on that, call it lower and middle end, which caters very well to an SBA loan. So I think probably first and foremost, it's acquisition lending for both bolt-ons and tuck-in type of transactions where you have an existing pest control company that certainly with the transparency of the industry, everyone seems to know each other. Does a merger or an acquisition make sense? Also, secondly, I think with partner buyouts, a lot of pest control operators out there are either second or third generation. So it's a family-run business where the junior may want to buy out the interest of senior, mm-hmm. something of that nature. And so when we look at the valuation multiples in the industry, it does that cater well to buying out a partner, say a 50-50 partner buyout, and that way the selling partner can have its liquidity events and the company can continue and we can look at the capital stack going forward and see if that makes sense for that company. So That's let's cool. say that I that I have somebody that, you know, there's a PCO and he wants to retain a marketing company at let's say 90% contract value, right? To scale his business. So, so next year he wants to, you know, add, let's say a thousand accounts, you know, five fifty a pop. Is that something that a PCO could finance? And what would be, what would that look like? Assuming that a lot of that 90% won't be able to be funded by, you know, the actual revenue produced by the account. And 50% of that 90% is up front. Mm-hmm. So in terms of what we asked for initially, and trying to first understand where the company has been, and then where it's going forward. So we collect three years of tax returns and financial statements and year to date. And then so we'll talk through that metric and say, okay, to hire a marketing company is going to cost us X. We expect that to contribute Y to the top line. And here's how much we think it's going to cost us from an SGA expense perspective. Okay. So to back up to what I said earlier, the acid test is, do we all feel confident that loan payments can be made to Live Oak Banks every single month? And so we have that in-person dialogue, so to speak, to make sure that everyone's comfortable. We have zero interest in, in putting a borrower, a PCO company into a loan that there's risk of them paying us back. Okay. So, so I think it's our deep dive from a due diligence perspective where, and just really a human perspective, the worst thing that we can do is put someone in a loan that could put the, the company at risk. Gotcha. So, but there is a scenario where that could happen where somebody could borrow money to pay, you know, these marketing expenses up front when they're not going to see the the full top line revenue of those new accounts for a year. Yes. Yes, there is. And you're looking for so at least three years with, uh, of financial. That's correct. Now that's not to say that if you started your pest control company a year or two ago, year and a half ago, that that's not something that we would look at. Right now, Live Oak Bank is not entertaining pure startups, mm. but if mm-hmm. you have one year behind, one year behind you from a history perspective, we're looking to help out any pest control company out there. And a lot of times, our dialogue can span a good 
one, two, three years. So it's just like this industry being so transparent, our goal is to establish relationships in the pest control space. So even if you are a younger and or smaller revenue company, we want to talk to you. Now, now if we are not a fit, then what we would like to do is just help point you in the right direction, utilizing our SBA industry expertise, because everyone that we talk to doesn't necessarily qualify, but hopefully we can give them at least an active and responsive voice to point them in the right direction. Nice. Now, now Dave, with these like small and mid mid-level acquisitions that you guys are kind of help funding a lot of with the SBA stuff. What kind of size transactions are you guys seeing a lot of in the, the smaller, the smaller plays there? Cause it's like, obviously a lot of what, what we hear in the, in the pest control industry is, you know, through PCT and stuff, it's a lot of these bigger acquisitions, you know, these multi-million dollar ones, or, you know, everyone gets excited about the big, big ones, but what are you seeing a lot more of currently in the industry? We're looking to go all the way down to from a loan amount perspective to 350,000 right now. And generally speaking, the SBA loan limits are $5 million. So that's the type of size and range that we're playing in right now. That's awesome. And I mean, with the, you know, because we just had Courtney on last week and her episode will be be releasing, but her and her fiance and her sister in law, they bought out their parents to take over their business out in the the new New England area. Do you see a lot of that going on? I, I guess right now as the generations are kind of shifting, are you seeing a lot of the families wanting to take over family business or are you kind of seeing a lot of families trying to get out of that business per se as well? We do see quite a lot of what we refer to as partner buyout activity. Uh, certainly a lot of pest control operators are family-run businesses and, and generational at that. I think where the SBA loan is quite a bit different than any kind of other small business loan that you would get at a bank, there's a couple of primary differences. One, longer terms. So for an acquisition, an SBA loan can be written for a fully amortized 10-year term versus, say, our conventional loan counterparts that usually have a more limited five-year amortization with some other requirements. So it helps from an ease of monthly payment perspective on that premium. Secondly, the Small Business Administration typically offers up to a 75% guarantee. So if we are looking at a million dollar loan, then our total exposure as a bank is $250,000, okay? So that helps to mitigate especially in a service company when there's not a lot of tangible assets. It helps to mitigate any kind of collateral risk, but we can look back at the history of cash flow and earnings, revenue trends, talk through management and have a high degree of assurance of repayment ability on our loans. That's that's awesome. And and very interesting. And a question that I have that I think a lot of people listening to this would, would love to know is let's say, you know, we have some listeners that are just starting their business let's say maybe they're just in their first year or they're maybe just kind of going into their second year and that, and they know like in maybe the next 12 months or 24 months that they're going to want to, you know, make some big growth moves or maybe some small acquisitions or something like that. What kind of tips or things would you recommend them starting to do now to put them in a place in that 12 to 24 month range where they could 
maximize some SBA lending from, you know, say you guys to be able to make some of those, those acquisitions or, or growth moves? That is a great question. Great question, Saul. I think first and foremost, make sure that your company is well organized financially. Okay. Make sure that you understand your numbers. We're coming up on tax reporting time. Lenders, particularly SBA lenders, rely on tax returns quite heavily in terms of making sure that all those revenues are acknowledged and they are not overly aggressive on writing off expenses. So I think make sure that you have a good accountant firm and that you are paying attention to your numbers and you know them. Secondly, I think it's get a forward look as far as a strategic plan. If currently your total revenues first year was 200000 and your goal is to get to a million-dollar revenue company within three years, then let's talk about your strategies to get there and how we might be able to help, okay? So I think when – so that's the first two things. Develop financial projections and make sure that you're well-organized financially. Certainly, as part of the information, we do look at personal financial information for any owner of greater than 20% of your company. So if you are that new, then there's a variety of different ways to finance your company to date and going forward too, if an SBA loan doesn't make sense, whether that is additional equity or debt instruments through friends and family, a home equity line of credit that is a very inexpensive and flexible source of credit. And there's other counseling services, if you will, that can help you develop financial projections if that's not some if that's not something that your say CPA or tax preparer provides. Interesting. When you guys get involved, are you from a bank standpoint, are you just solely lenders or are you helping a PCO go through this process? Are you acting in any type of advisory role? or anything like that? Or is it sure, hey, hand us the documents, we're going to let you know if there's a loan available to you or not? Is there any bit of any part of this that, hey, I don't know about that deal. Like, I don't know that that you should make that acquisition because this is what I've seen over the last year or whatever. I guess I would answer that, Alan, is a little bit of both, okay? Mm -hmm. So we want to develop long-term relationships and consider, we consider any borrower, a partner of ours. Mm-hmm. Okay? So there is certainly that consultative piece that as part of our underwriting, that we ask a lot of very industry specific questions in terms of a review of the historical information and talk through really your, your strategy and financial plan. I think that's what makes us a little unique because we do have some industry expertise, albeit in a short time frame for pest control. So when most pest control operators approach their bank and that bank lends money to the butcher, the baker, or the candlestick maker, then and, and then in an SBA fashion, it's often very confusing. So we like to think of ourselves as a niche lender in a niche space. So I think that extra hands-on proactive communication approach is what sets us apart. Yeah. And there's this, you know, there's this element of, you know, just from a PCO standpoint, from a business owner standpoint, there's a little bit of security, right? Because when we, when we stick our neck out there and we sign a personal guarantee or, 
you know, you, you, a lender starts going through our personal finances and stuff. There's a lot of second guessing that goes on. Then we get, you know, the funds distributed and it's like, okay, well now I really have to make, you know, I have to turn this into something that makes it worth the cost of interest and my time and all those things. But one thing that I've found, and I don't know if I should think this way or not, but sometimes I think there's people, the, the, the banks that let me borrow this, they know numbers, maybe not my numbers, but they know financing and they know the banking industry better than I do. And so I kind of look at it as them giving me, you know, a little bit of a nod, like, go ahead and do this, right? It, it makes me feel a little better inside. Should I? Knowing that, hey, they, they let me borrow this money. They wouldn't let me borrow this money if this deal, if, if they, they didn't think that I was, you know, kind of on the right track, at least. Is there some truth to that? I think that's there's a lot of truth to that. Well, why? Because if we look at where interest rates are, there's really not a great opportunity. And let's just use the number of 6% interest, okay? If banks are making a 6% on an SBA loan and they have staff to pay for, we're a branchless model, but other overhead expenses, if one loan transaction goes bad after expenses, so their net interest margin is a lot less than 6%, it's really not worth the risk to put a loan on the books that is highly risky. So the regulators oversee that. And so banks are not really in the high risk game. That's why I think our approach is a little unique in that we have 30 different sectors that we lend into, and we have subject matter experts on all of those teams specifically. So because of that industry focus, I think it enables us to roll up our sleeves a little bit and get behind the story, despite the lack of a lot of historical cash flow, or maybe the guarantors lack a lot of personal financial wherewithal, for example. Now let's say, yeah, now let's say we're, we're in a business and we, we get SBA money from you and we're, we're putting that into play. Are, are you guys interacting with the business thereafter or, you know, in, in kind of checking up on things and, and staying in, in contact? Or is it one of those things where it's like, okay, here's your money, make your payments. And, you know, if you don't make your payments, that's the only time you're going to hear from us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Great question. The SBA industry is really driven and is quite transaction focused. Okay. So, and there are no financial covenants with SBA loans. So as long as you make your payments, most SBA lenders will quote, leave you alone. Um, there is an annual financial disclosure requirement, mm -hmm. but at Live Oak Bank, you are assigned a go-to person that will have that will collect quarterly financial statements from you, have a dialogue on what's going on with the company, and we will come out and meet you at your place of business over that lifespan of the loan. Um, usually that happens depending on size of loan, strategies going forward, other loan needs, et cetera. But usually that happens once every two years minimum. That's cool. I mean, it's, it's nice to know that it's like, okay, look, somebody's there. They're still kind of looking you know, especially if you're new and, and, you, and you really don't understand a lot of it and you're, and you're really one of those pest control owner operators, right? It's like you're out there still in the streets, freaking, you know, put, you know, hitting the doors and you're spraying houses, right? And it's like, you're maybe not in an office crunching numbers and, and doing spreadsheets all day, like, like some of the bigger companies would do. And so 
Oh man, I had a question and I totally forgot. Man, <laughs> that's been, okay. Let, hey, let me let me just interject. When it comes to just a couple quick industry stats, and I know Live Oak Bank was one of the primary providers around the country for PPP loans. I think hmm. SBA as a three-letter word became familiar with everyone in the United States of America because of the pandemic, right? And PPP, I guess, is another nasty three-letter word. But mm-hmm. industry-wide, there were 11, approximately 11,500 loans to pest control operators for $713 million specific to pest control. Mm-hmm. So everyone kind of has a taste during COVID and at least round one of PPP. But thankfully, a lot of the pest control industry didn't qualify for round two of PPP. But one of the things that helped me learn more about Live Oak is just the culture that's there. And we had all hands on deck in the very confusing time, reaching out to borrowers and answering questions as best we could to try to deploy that capital. So I know that there's a lot of confusion around that sector and second round forgiveness and things like that. But thankfully, that doesn't apply much here. Nice. Now, I did remember my question. So, you know, let's say, you know, we're, we have an SBA loan and it's, you know, the 10-year amortization and, and a couple years in, we're looking at growth or more acquisition. I've heard that it's not possible to get more rounds of loans in SBA when you already have one. Is that true? And if not, you know, are you able to, I guess, access more cash throughout the years with SBA? Yes. So the cap for the 7A loan program is $5 million. So that equates to a loan guaranteed to the lender of $3,750,000. If there's other use of proceeds out there that are not for working capital or expansion, but say for real estate, then the total dollars allocated amongst you and your affiliate businesses can go higher than $5 million. Okay. So from I think SBA is often used for real estate purchases, whether that's ground up construction of a flex facility, industrial building with the yard, those types. It's a great fit. And longer amortization, certainly if real estate's involved up to 25 years. Interesting. And and are you seeing a lot of PCOs, I guess, you know, purchase real estate or purchase their the land and, and build on that? and kind of utilize those SBA loans a lot? Or is that something that you're not seeing as much of yet? I think that will be an anomaly to see a lot of real estate projects in the space because I think just with the nature of it and the focus on route density improvement, it probably makes a lot more sense to have satellite locations on a lease basis versus having a really large headquarter and maintenance facility and everyone from the, the same location. So I could be surprised, but certainly we like real estate and we know a heck of a lot about ground up construction in this space and, and SBA too. So we will see. So Dave, as, as we're starting to wrap up here a little bit, what, what are some things that you see kind of less sophisticated PCOs or, or younger PCOs in terms of just years in the industry what are some of the mistakes you see those folks make versus the folks that you work with that have, you know, are a little more seasoned that have been around for a few more years in terms of obtaining and implementing financing? I think first is financial organization. So 
the SBA process does have some extra paperwork that we will do our best to help you navigate. But when it comes to just being organized from a corporate document perspective, from and a financial pers- perspective, I think really that's the main thing. Bootstrapping, a lot of young companies bootstrap and decide, okay, well, I can get a couple of trucks this way. I can bring in some friends and family this way, but I think the lack of adequate working capital to devote to marketing and grow your company at the onset, or even if you're a year, 24 months down the road, and you're thinking, well, okay, we've been able to make it, we've been able to grow, but I'm still not receiving a satisfactory return. I think it's important to have those strategy discussions and really look yourself in the mirror as a PCO and say, what do you want? Where do you want to take this company and how are you going to do it? So I think it's getting out of the day-to-day and pausing and taking some time to say, okay, what are we doing here and where are we going? And how can we grow this? Did we look at merging our clients with another company's? What are the what are the biggest challenges out there and how can we look to overcome? So be proactive with thinking of alternatives and using your industry counterparts to, to seek advice. Nice. Yeah, like- no, that's it's super common for for new or young PCOs to get I mean, we've got a million things going on and a lot of times we think of the strategy and the planning and the goal setting and the vision creating as secondary, right? And when there's a fire, those are secondary, unfortunately. And it's something that Saul and I talk about a lot is, you know, focusing on not just what you're doing today, but where you're heading in five or 10 years to help create that path and and those guideposts. Yeah. And I mean, this is the, you know, a great time of year to have those thoughts and discussions too, right? As you're, you're planning, you know, if you're on a calendar fiscal year, right? It's like, you're about to start the new year. It's like, what are what are your goals and what are your plans going to be for the next year? Another question I have for you, Dave, is obviously I'd imagine as a, as a, in a, in the banking industry, you guys are looking into the future a lot, right? To kind of see see where the industry is going. I guess where do you see the industry going in the next, say, five to ten years? And then you know, a lot a big talk right now too is these acquisition multiples going around right now. Do you see? those potentially continue to go up or do you see those coming back down in the future? I'm curious to to know your thoughts on that. Well, I wish I had that crystal ball and I probably (laughs) wouldn't be writing SBA loans if I knew the answer to that. (laughs) Right. But certainly I think looking at, looking at the valuation multiples on revenue and not necessarily even EBITDA, I think are very interesting in the space. And with a lot of money flowing now through private equity coming into the space and having the same attraction to recurring contract revenues, if you will, and add-on clients, I think it'll be very interesting to see what will happen in the small to mid-market space. I think we'll see consolidation. I think in terms of the number of companies, I think Mm -hmm. that we'll continue to see consolidation. Yeah. Do we have headwinds in the industry relative to interest rates, cost of capital? I view that as really pretty slight. Pretty slight. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, yeah, Dave, we you know, appreciate your time. This is uh it's something that 
this topic is something, you know, that every PCO, regardless of their level, regardless of their revenue, could could get something out of. And there's folks that they'll never borrow money. And they're and you know, that's a personal choice and you know, they're they're welcome to to do that. But they still I I think they still need to understand what the opportunities and, and what the potential is. And one of the key takeaways that I've you know that I have from this is there's things that everybody can be doing right now to put them put themselves in a position to move on an opportunity if it presents itself. And I hear a lot of you know talk in the industry of of the younger folks that think that no one will ever touch them. Like, hey, a bank's not going to l- lend me money. And they think that, you know, all is lost or there's nothing they can be doing, but there's a lot they can be doing. They can be getting more organized. They can, you know, start keeping like actual books, right? Not pen and paper, not their little paper carbon copy invoices, but actual systems so that they can substantiate what their financials are. And, and so that I, I think more than anything would be the invitation that I have to our guests and, and Saul hit the nail on the head. This is a great time to kind of regroup. Most of our markets have, have cooled off both in terms of weather and intensity and, you know, look to the future a little bit, let yourself dream a little. All right. You know, I think because this isn't a sexy industry, sometimes we don't, think big. And that really bothers me. And I love this industry. But we started this conversation talking about the Terminex Renekill deal. Go look at that deal and how big that deal was and how much it means to this industry. And don't sell yourself short. In 2022, just know that you have resources if you're willing to put in the work to scale your companies. Whether you need help with marketing or you need help with hiring or you need funds to grow, just know that there are options out there. And Dave is kind of, he's, he's done a great job telling us about some of those options. Dave, where can people you know, contact you if they have questions about what you can do for PCOs? I, I will start with my email address, which is dave.odison, that is O-T-T-E-S-O-N at Live Oak dot bank that dot bank is kind of confusing so note that you can actually set up on if you email me and i will return your email you can set up a 5 15 or 30 minute consultation with me right there and i'm happy to talk to anyone at any time yeah like i know i mean in alan and i's facebook group you know start and grow your your pest control company i know a few guys had had started kind of talking about sba loans and and after had just meeting you, Dave, at the NCPMA event, United We Stand, I was like, man, I got to I gotta get Dave on here. And I know you and I had chatted too that it's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that, you know, maybe they're just getting started out or they're not quite there yet. And so they may not get approved for this stuff. But I know you said, and my understanding is obviously you guys are just getting started in the pest control industry. So I, I imagine you're not, you're not going to be getting out of it anytime soon with your guys' track record. But I know that you've said that you're willing to kind of help and sort of guide and coach a lot of these people into getting where they would need to go to be able to to capitalize on what you guys have to offer. Because I'd imagine that you're trying to get this pipeline, you know, of these PCOs filled up, right? 
Absolutely. Right now, we are just looking to be a great resource in the SBA space for any PCO out there. Awesome. So guys, just, I mean, reach out to Dave if you have any questions, man. I mean, you know, use his advice and, and use his industry knowledge that he's developing. I mean, I know he, he's meeting a lot of, a lot of people in the industry. Like I know he's, he, you're pretty close with the Ousts, the Ousts group right now, which we're going to be having mm-hmm. on here in a future episode. So you, you, you're learning mm-hmm. a lot about the M&A industry. You know, obviously, you know, I've had some conversations, so you definitely know your way around some services and some pest talk. And so, you know, get, get some advice from him. And, and if it doesn't work out now, you know, start create an action plan, create a game plan and start putting the pieces together and get yourself in a position to grow your pest control company in 2022 or 2023 or the future. Yeah. Love it, man. Great. Well, Hey, thanks so much, Alan. It's all, it's been great. Appreciate the conversation. Yeah. We're honored to have you, man. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. As we wrap up this episode, guys, make sure that you're subscribing or following our podcast. And also, we're doing a little push to get more reviews. So if you haven't left left us a review, do us a huge favor and go ahead and leave us a review. And also, Saul just hit on our Facebook group. We have almost 2,000 PCOs in there now. We're not allowing vendors, so it's a really tight-knit group where we can really talk freely. So that's Start and Grow Your Pest Control Company on Facebook. Just search for it. It's a private group, but we'll get you added in there. So this is, you know, we have a couple of episodes left in 2021. Saul and I are stoked about the future. And and remember that our number one goal is to help you all become bug money millionaires. Till next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us an honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, and we'll catch you on the next episode.